Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. Today we have a youth takeover of the podcast, so stay tuned to hear our youth-unique perspectives. My name is Jakin and I'm your host for this episode. We hope that you keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow in your journey as parents and youths. For some people, decision-making can be a very scary thing and having more choices may not make things easier. So join us as we explore this sometimes anxiety-fraught journey of decision-making and tease out the many factors that go into the process. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Ramus. Hi, I'm Ramus. I am currently 22, about to embark on my undergraduate course in international relations and political science overseas in Australia, and also a fellow FemChamps Council member with Jakin. Welcome to the show. So to start us off, let's go with a short icebreaker. Can you share with me one big decision that you had to make recently, and how did you come to that decision? The most stressful decision that I had to make in the past year is to study overseas, to go to Australia to pick up my degree and to be exact i spent about nine to ten months weighing the pros and cons yeah <laughs> it started done, last year you had done like half a degree then yeah i i know right <laughs> i i spent so much time weighing the pros and cons of, of doing a degree overseas and i enrolled in this degree called international relations and political science over in australia for me it was hard decision to make because i never really told my parents about the whole process. I spent that nine or 10 months making the decision and then I applied for the course. After I got the acceptance letter, the school was really nice to bundle a scholarship together with the acceptance letter. With this two, one acceptance letter and one scholarship, I went to my parents and tell them like, hey, I just got accepted to this university and I'm studying this degree. Imagine if you just went to them with the flight tickets also. And say, by, by parents, I'm going uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I had a thought about doing that, you know, because I, I didn't know how to bring it across to them. It was such a big decision. And I think my parents were the kind that would say, oh, why would you want to go overseas and do a degree when the universities in Singapore are like so well renowned and nobody will pass the chance to study in Singapore if given the chance, you know. And, and subsidized. Yeah, and it's, and it's subsidized, <laughs> right? So I countered that with the scholarship that I got. I think that was the biggest decision that I had to make. And yeah, I had to really just bring it to my parents after everything was baked. <laughs> you give them the whole cake. Yes. So tell us, uh, I'm sure everyone's very curious to find out also, what was your process in making that decision? Because you sat on it for like... 9-10 months, right? What were you thinking about during those 9-10 months? So let's just round it up and call it a year because it started oh, way back, right? Damn. <laughs> but, but I think throughout the whole process, I started off with trying to understand what was the end goal of my pursuit, which was that I wanted to be able to understand governance, country relations, and of course politics. If not, why would I take political science? <laughs> Right, But more so, I think I wanted to be able to have some influence over policies and perhaps even strengthen policies. It doesn't need to be governmental policies, right? It could be organizational policies. In particular, probably like social organizations. I spent the first couple of months trying to iron down like what I wanted. And then after that, I see how it was aligned to my values. And then thereafter, I started researching like where is best to study, right? for this degree. So one of the things that came up firstly is in Singapore was 
political science at NUS, right? I think another thought went across my mind was given our political landscape that is quite stable over the past 50 years. So I wanted to be able to experience some of this uh, political dissent. In Singapore, dissent is quite mm. a taboo thing. I think there's a strong political dissent uh, overseas and more so in Australia. And this allows students to learn about the different policies, politics affect people. Right? Studying abroad in Australia can provide a more multicultural environment with these different political parties with political aims. I think thereafter was talking about this with my friends. I would like to add talking about this with your parents, but <laughs> I feel like because I totally skipped over the step of parents, I went straight to my friends who I guess shared kind of like the same outlook in life in which that they want to be able to influence policies to protect policies to protect the governance in certain areas right so i went to my friends and they helped me look through the opinions that i have formed over the years with regards to policies politics uh, and even just normal day-to-day -day governing things that you build your life upon after quite a long process of talking to my friends and asking them about how's studying like overseas right then I came to a conclusion that, okay, I think Australia would be something that I'm comfortable with, something that can further my ambitions and my goals of wanting to study politics. And then, of course, it's the idea of don't be afraid to make a wrong decision. I think throughout the whole process, I went through so many going back and forth with my decision making. So at first, I thought perhaps I could settle with SUSS. SUSS is quite holistic in their education. A lot of my friends enjoy their education there. There is also a degree in family law. But I think one of the things that came to my mind again was that what is the scope, the depth and the reach of their degree? Because right. I needed to understand how far it encompasses. So in the end, it was going back to like, yeah. what's your goal? In the yeah, end. So, it, so it just keeps cycling back to the same idea. Yeah, that's like the question yeah. that you always had. What's the thing you want to achieve? And then finally, I, I went to an educational agent to submit my plans. What is an educational agent? So like, if you want to study in several countries like the UK, Australia, America, or in Europe, right? So these universities pay these educational agents to get students. So on the student <laughs> side, we don't have to pay anything. I mean, I'm not promoting them. Right? We don't have to pay anything to get advice from them. Yeah. Oh, so it's like a scout. Kind right of, on. but they help you with all the paperwork and wow. everything. Yeah. That's so interesting. I've never heard of that. Singapore mm. doesn't have that, right? We, we do, do we they? have a lot. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I realized, and, and they provide really solid advice based on your decisions and what you should pursue, what you should do, where you should go, and what's the best course of action. But it sounds like for your process, it was quite clear since you already knew from the start your objectives, right? You yeah. knew that you wanted to like go into this area of policy and understand it. And then everything, all the small decisions, like what school to go to. Yeah, the nuances, all, yeah. Yeah, all that. As long as it was helping towards that goal, then... Yeah, if, yeah, as long as it points you towards your end goal, I think everything else, it should fit along the way. You right. don't have to necessarily stress about it in the first few months. Because along the way, things will naturally align. Because then you know like the options they have. If right. they don't fit that goal, then okay, yeah, then like, just you don't, you don't do it. Count it out, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that, something interesting that you said was even the decision to go to Australia, I mean, to study overseas, was something that contributed to like your objective of wanting to learn more about policy. So then with that in mind, what do you think are the struggles that young people have 
when having to make similar decisions like these, like the life-changing kinds? A lot of it boils down to the lack of guidance and support and also a lot of emphasis towards failure. Because we are in such a fast-paced society in Singapore that failing would mean you would have lost that momentum of several years in your life. And not everyone is comfortable with the idea of losing that momentum, losing that several years to a wrong decision. Oh, it's like if you don't do well for O-levels, then you yeah. may have to go to like poly or even ITE instead of going straight to JC and doing fast track kind of yeah. education, right? I think for me, like it's, it's something that I got comfortable with throughout growing up. I used to hate it. So one of the things that my dad always tell me is that it's okay to fail. And he emphasized that, you know, just fail. I was like, at first I was really like mad about it because whenever I see my report card and something that I don't do really well, right, I'll be like, man, this must be the side effect of him telling me to fail. <laughs> right? but, but over the years, I learned that grades on one hand shows you how good you are at that certain subject. But in the broader picture of life and your day-to-day -day work, grades don't encompass everything in your day-to-day -day life. And so what your grades does is just show you what you're really good at. And then the bad grade shows you what you're, I mean, naturally what you're poor at. And if you fail, then something has to be done with that subject, right? But it's the idea of failure being constantly repeated and ingrained in my head that I grew really comfortable with the idea of not doing very well, even though I tried my best. And so this conditioned my entire understanding of what I wanted to pursue, which was the experience, the journey in learning, in discovering, in trying to build up that treasure trove of knowledge of the ideas that can eventually help me succeed. After knowing you for a while, I know you're a learner. Like you always like to learn, specialize into topics, whatever you're interested in, you do a lot of research in and that helps you with your decision making as well, right? Yeah. It yeah. just confirms everything that I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. You're saying that fear of failure makes young people afraid to even want to step out and look into something new at all, right? Yeah. Or even to invest that time into looking into something new because the question is always in their head. Like, what if it doesn't work out? What if it nothing comes out of this, right? Right. Because we're all like driven in the direction of wanting to succeed. And in the process of wanting to succeed, we forget to look at the part where we might have this chance of failure. And this failure might, some of it might be really small, right? It might just be, oh, I got fired from my job. I can always find a new job. But the idea of getting fired, getting that stain in your mind, is very hard to overwrite. And so overwriting that stain requires more effort. And people don't want to go through that hassle. Right. Yeah. It's a sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, actually going on that is uh is very interesting because for young people when we're thinking about career, uh, something that I feel also is that like we're asked to like set our goals, what do you want to do in the future? It's always under the assumption that we need to have a really like robust plan or like mm. something that we've thought through already. But the problem with that is that it assumes that we already have enough knowledge to create that plan. And sometimes, I mean, in my experience, I live in Singapore, man. So <laughs> you, you, all know know, right? our, you know our, our experience is like limited to this bubble. Do you think that's something young people in general have in Singapore? Yeah, I agree. So recently I was on a trip, right? And I got to meet a lot of young people from all across Asia. And one of the things that I realized post-trip or during my reflections was that people in Singapore are very narrow-minded. Our worldview is Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Bangkok, 
Vietnam. I mean, we love shopping, <laughs> we love food. Our worldview is really just ASEAN. And we don't see the broader picture. We don't, we don't have a lot of input from the rest of the world. We might see what's happening across the globe on the news, but we don't necessarily understand why that certain incident is happening. Mm. Right? We don't see how... So for example, we see that there's inflation doesn't seem to, to be going down across the world, especially in Europe. But we don't understand the nuances and why inflation seems so sticky. Right. So yeah. different things going around the world, the context, the greater context of our global citizens. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are, we, are, we are Singaporean citizens. But we forget <laughs> to take note that we are also on the same earth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Maybe we can move on to looking at how do you think parents can go into this journey for their children? Because we talk about what young people nowadays, what they're missing, what they need, some of their struggles. How do you think parents might be able to help with these? Perhaps one of the things that parents could start with is being more attentive to what the proclivities of their child more at a young age and see where their child is leaning towards. If let's say your child is leaning a lot towards engineering, for example, like the breaking of pens and so... I think as a kid, like one of the things that I love doing is breaking the pen apart, picking the pen <laughs> apart, and then seeing how the little spring at the, the near the tip of the pen, right, and how it worked together with the whole pen itself. Do you make the guns? Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> that's that's something that every 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 Singaporean child like to do, right? So we play with it, then we shoot the pen, and then we get scolded by the teacher for shooting the pen in front, yeah. right? But that's what we like to do, and how this could uh, evolve towards some perhaps a child trying to understand how does a lock works. Mm. So right now, we are all in a digital era and kids, they don't know how a lock works. You, like, how do you put a key in? I've never yeah. known how to put a key in. Like for <laughs> some kids, they would say that, right? But for those who are interested, you would see like generally, they'll be asking a lot of questions on how does this work? What does this do? How does this fit into the bigger picture? And so if parents are more attentive towards what their child is leaning towards, the interest of the child, then you start seeing like, hey, perhaps when the time comes, when I want to talk to my child about education, I want to talk to my child about finances, then it's easier to bring about this topic. Because firstly, I think one of the things that we have to be really mindful of is the emotion, right? Emotional intelligence. Sometimes we are not really emotionally intelligent. We don't really understand the person next to us. <laughs> Do I understand you, Jakin? Hopefully. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> no, but, <you> don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. So parents are not emotionally aware of what their child is going through. Perhaps the biggest stressor in the 13, 14 year old now is not their grades. I mean, grades is one thing, but it's like, what if I'm not popular enough in my school? What if someone cancels me? What if someone finds out that perhaps I don't like Blackpink? <laughs> is everyone going to attack me? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. it's this understanding that I need to dive deeper into what my child is interested in. And then from there, I can use this as a topic to bring about harder conversations with my child. And thereafter, perhaps the next part of what the parent could do is really understanding that sometimes your child really needs a bit more freedom than you intend to give them. Gotta let him spread his wings, man. Yeah, like we talk about letting our, our children spread their wings so much, but we don't exactly like let them do it. It's like you're flying a kite and you're always like bounded by a short rope because you're scared that if the kite flies too high, the kite will fly away. Yes, while that is true, if we don't let them try and spread their wings, right, 
naturally your child is just going to conform to what your goals are for them. And you, you wouldn't want your child to conform to what you want your child to do in the future, what kind of job you want your child to do, what kind of financial habits, though financial habits are quite distinct in like what is good and what is wrong. Sometimes their proclivity in terms of their job, their pursuits, their passions, it's not necessarily really black and white. Sometimes it's gray and we have to give them this space to explore their passions. Mm. And so with all this, right, then when we bring about towards decision making, it's easier to bring about tougher topics. So I always find it very hard to tell my parents about the things that is going on in my life. And some of the hardest things that I find difficult to talk with my parents, right, it's actually relationships. Because it's not necessarily the easiest to talk about, right? Sometimes it's really awkward. Sometimes you don't know how to tell them like, oh, actually, I'm kind of interested in someone, but like, I'm not sure if you like them because ultimately you still want your parents' approval. Children love approval from their parents. At a very young age, we seek approval. And if your parents, for some reason, putting you down, then eventually when you grow up, you're just gonna try to seek approval from somewhere else. You'll find it really hard to talk about even the simplest of things when your child grows up, simply because you were putting them down quite a lot when they were growing up. And I think one of the things that my current boss talked about very recently was the whole idea of emotional intelligence, which was something that I said earlier, right? And I think this is so important because sometimes we don't read the room, sometimes parents don't understand their child. And like, what are the key trends, right? Or key, key indicators is simply your child comes to you with like, oh, I messed up with something today. And you just tell your child, why did you mess up? Like, <laughs> why? Right, it doesn't make sense. Don't do it again, ah. No, but you don't ask the the reason behind like why it mess up. Right, don't help evaluate the whole process of it. And so I guess we when we miss out the whole evaluation process, we miss out this chance to be emotionally vulnerable with our kids to show them your side of how you process things. And as such, when you try to connect with them, you feel like there's a wall in between the both of you. Perhaps you built that wall, and you built it too high. Mm, such yeah. that for them to reach your standards it's really impossible for them right and so so you're talking about this whole relationship and communication between the parent and the child that really goes back all the way to raising them from like toddler age right yeah and I building mean, that connection and the purpose of that being with the perspective of redefining what success means for that child actually right so you're saying as a parent imposing what you want to see in their life what you think is success but what success really means would be allowing them to reach their full potential while standing on your shoulders, which is the kind of picture that I got when you're talking about this, actually. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Perhaps like a small thing to add is that you have to be okay with them falling off your shoulders. So like if they fall down, they break a leg. <laughs> Hopefully not. But if they fall down, they break a leg. Sometimes it's better to... Tell them that, hey, just get up. Sometimes it's better to spend more time in evaluating with them like, hey, like perhaps you were going a bit overboard. That's why you fell. Rather than, oh, does it hurt? Like, where does it hurt? And all that. Well, concern is nice. It doesn't necessarily help them understand the reasoning behind what they did. And it affects their decision process because right now they, f they, they would naturally feel like, oh, now I'm the victim. Then I need my parents to come and rescue me. But I'm also the bully because I went overboard <laughs> and then I pushed myself overboard. Yeah. And now my parents have to rescue me. And now it's like this whole triangle.
Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe that's even a fear that many parents might have that maybe they're thinking, oh no, if I help my kid achieve that full potential, am I responsible if they fail it? Like, is it my fault <laughs> now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely real. So anyway, b- before we let you go, thanks for all the stuff you've been sharing so far. Do you have any tips to share with our listeners who may be deciding on something big for their lives right now? Take some time not to think about that decision, but take some time to just be with yourself. One of the key things that helped me along my journey of decision-making wasn't so much that I spent the first few months trying to identify the goals, but it was just being comfortable with myself. I remember back in 2021, I took a lot of time to myself just to find out what I'm interested in. More than just like what I want to study, what kind of music am I interested in? I realized I love the Nutcracker. There's this classical piece <laughs> called the Nutcracker. I love Classic. it. Tchaikovsky. <laughs> I hope I didn't butcher the name. Yeah, no, and, no, you got it right. And then from there, I realized that actually I like reading. But what kind of books do I like? I don't like fictional books. I don't like books with a very grandiose idea of, you know, there's someone always saving the day. But I like books that are self-help, that helps me understand myself more. So one of the books that I came across throughout uh, the pandemic was this book called The 5am Club. So it taught you principles that you build into your life that ultimately sets you up. I mean, in its term, it says sets you up for success, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> say like it comes like right after you read the book. But what happens is that with this greater understanding of yourself and the habits that you inculcate throughout your, your entire life, right? How these stepping stones really lead you to the next big thing in your life. It's like the simplest thing. When you wake up, do you fold your blanket, Jikin? I don't even sleep with a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Then I, I, I think I don't or... have an answer for this question. <laughs> I ask my friends, like, do you fold your blanket? Then they're like, uh, no, I just leave it there. Like, there's no point. I'm going to sleep the next night. But it's this habit of folding your blanket right, that sets you up for the next habit, which is what's the next routine that you do? Mm, so after right. I wake up, I fold my blanket. Atomic habits, right? Yes. Atomic habits. And these are really powerful in how you make decisions or so. Because you understand yourself first. You understand how you make that decision. What led to that decision. And then thereafter, everything just comes together nicely. Spend some time with yourself. Perhaps a month, two months. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. So for you tuning in, Hope you've gained some practical tips on the art of decision making. All the best to you guys, no matter what decision you're waiting on. And parents, I hope you've also gotten a glimpse of some of the things that your teen might be going through. If you're looking for more parenting resources, do visit our website at family.org.sg. Do also share this podcast with a friend who may benefit from it. Be sure to catch us on our next Parent Ed podcast. Until next time, have a great week with your family. Bye.